Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacy Harris and John Sumser. Hi, Stacy. How are you? Hi, John. I'm doing well. I'm in North Carolina, continuing to stay quarantined as much as possible. Um, sun's shining here a little bit after some of the big thunderstorms, so uh, we're we're doing well, although our, our um, coronavirus numbers are continuing to rise in our area, but, but you know, staying where you're at, wearing your mask, all those things, and trying to keep a good positive attitude. And how about you? you you're in California. I think you guys are dealing with some of the same stuff, but we're, we're all in this uh, together, aren't we? <laughs> Well, yeah, they're they're locking down my county again on tomorrow afternoon. Get one more night in the bars before it's time to take two months off. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know, Stacy. This is this is crazy. And um, oh, geez, we simply don't know what this is yet, and we're trying to pretend like we do. It's weird. It, it it feels like we're we're you know I I mean watching the news and watching the numbers rise and stuff I mean you know the 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 big obvious fear right is is health and safety and you know we are gonna you know we're losing a lot of people that other people care about or that you care about personally right and that's obviously the most important issue of anything going on right now but. I think also there is a new sense that, okay, if if this is the world that we're living in, what what is it that we that we think about as work and um, connectivity and relationships in a world where we we really do have to be sensitive to the fact that human interaction could cause pain and death, right? And so that creates a whole, you know, it, it, well, I think when it first happened, there was this, oh, let's just get through it. Let's get to a point where we're past the curve. That was the conversation, right? And now I think the conversation is, okay, how do we just live with this? It, it's not a new normal because there was no normal. It's, it's just how do we live with this and what does that look like in this world, right? Um, and that's the conversation that I, I know has been happening both in my household and I think, you know, in other households and inside of big corporations and small businesses is, is what's this world look like, right, that, that we're in the middle of? Um, and, it's, and it's happening around the globe. Some countries worse than others, but it's, it's definitely we're still being challenged with it um, here in multiple places in the south where I live at. So, yeah. Have you ever seen a really big car accident, you know, like 50 cars in an accident? Gladly say I have not been involved in one of those or, or seen one, but I understand the concept of how ups, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I happened to see one on on an uh, interstate on one of my one of my trips where where fifty cars hit each other, right? And and I saw it from about car fifteen, um, right? So it's just this, just this seemed like endless. Um, series of thuds as uh, one car plowed into the other car. We're about uh, five cars into a 50-car pileup right now. And, um, and and the idea that we can figure out what it is and, and what we're going to do and what it's going to be like, there's a lot of time and energy being wasted on that. Um, and it's it's simply not possible to figure it out. This week in Texas, the hospitals are going to get overrun, and so 
So the idea that we know how to live in a world where the hospitals don't have the capacity to take care of us, period, for some extended period of time, uh, nobody's actually thinking about that. Nobody's actually thinking about, oh, oh, people are going to have things that require hospital-level attention and can't get it. How do we treat them? Or we've got populations of people who don't have immediate triageable death-threatening illness but have chronic um, diseases that they've had for years that require some medical attention periodically and they can't get that. How do we solve that? Right? And, 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 and instead we're, we're looking at people whining about the fact that they have to be in their houses with a mask on. Yeah. Jeez. How insensitive, right? There are people who have real trouble (laughs) and we think it's a big deal. The privileged people think it's a big deal to think about how we're going to cope with our brie and toast in our in our little houses with the stuff being delivered by drone from Amazon. The, 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 the real question is, is the entire society is falling apart and, and it's a 50-car pileup and we're only five cars into it and nobody knows what to do. How's that, well, for, how's that for bright and shiny today? We were a much more you know, sort of cheerful conversation earlier, but but I think you you know you're right. It's 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 one of those where you know it it's there is such an overwhelming feeling of of what can I do right um, that you know you you sort of have to sure figure it on whatever scale it makes sense for you personally, right? And and I think the scale you just talked about is the biggest scale and it's the one that. I think we we're hit with every night on the news, um, but then you get up the next morning and have to figure out the scale that works for you personally, right? On for how do you figure that out? So I get what you're saying, but I also think there's there's human nature to want to step into sort of w- looking forward, right? It's, it's part of our sort of DNA and makeup is to think what 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 do I do in the next couple of days, right? And and that's the piece I think you know we're at a point at. It, it, it may be impossible for us to figure it out. That doesn't mean we're going to stop doing it, right? So I think that's that's oh. the, the challenge for many people and organizations. Right? Oh no, I think I think it, I think this 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 is what's so wonderful is is people are really good at imagining solutions to problems they don't understand um, yeah. uh, and do it all the time um, and. And we're sort of in, in at the edges of an industry that does that for a living. So, so I am I am amazed at um, the pundits and analysts and influencers who've got this all figured out now. Um, and, um, and and very interestingly, their solutions to disease and social disturbance and broad inequity. Sound a lot like the solutions they had last year. <laughs> Packaged for today, new wrapper, same old BS. Um, 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 uh, um, it's just hysterical, it, and and you know you know there's there's good reason the economy's inflated because we put three billion dollars worth of stuff into it, and um, so. The businesses are still turning out the spreadsheets that say that everything is good, 
And in some quarters, people are working a lot harder because it takes more time to be distributed. But nobody's getting anything done. Well, I mean, I I think your comment is actually right on. I mean, you know, when I went, you know, obviously we had July 4th here in the United States last week, and so um, I think news was slow. But there was still quite a bit of of what I would call our industry news going on, right? And to your point, we we saw numbers come out for second quarter for public companies in our industry, Paychex, SAP, and Oracle, all in general, you know, in certain areas, depending on, you know, how you looked at it. But in general, all of them had sort of pretty positive, better than expected, which is a good way to put it, right? So not where it would have been if they would have predicted in the first of the year, but better than was expected um, second quarter numbers despite the virus impact. And I think that's what I think that's what you're saying, right? Like there's been an infusion of money, particularly here in the States, but in other countries as well, that has possibly kept some of the sort of financial impact at bay a little bit, has kept, you know, people in general, um, if they were lucky enough to be able to claim unemployment to to sort of um, have some level of that, or if they were lucky enough to have their business up and running, they've been able to get small business loans, or if they have the the right paperwork and the right tools and the banking relationship, right? Um, That has not been for everybody, but there's been a portion of our market that has been able to sort of feel like things are going okay. I mean, are you surprised by the fact that that we saw, you know, better than expected numbers in, in our technology market this week, you know, after what you just talked about? No, no. That you know, the 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 American government put three trillion dollars of of support into the system, and um, guess what? Every almost every single penny of that had to go to a payroll company of some kind. Uh, you, you know, um, um, the the the, the Putting people on and off of layoff lists happens on software in our industry. The the um, examination of the workforce to see who's left after the layoffs that happens on our stuff. So this is this is a good time to be in the HR tech industry. It's just the sort of the the the, the ugly side of the business. Um, um, but pure business perspective, you couldn't imagine a better place to be than in HR technology right now. Um, the sky is definitely falling. The end of the world is definitely coming. Um, and if you're an HR technology company, it's a good time to make some more money. It is. I mean, I think it's also a good time to remind people that um, – it's really hard to make big decisions without data, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying about the fact that you know we're we're making decisions that are difficult, and you know, and we're we're talking about furloughs, and we're talking about layoffs, and we're talking about you know Cobra assignments and those kind of things. Um, I just had a series of friends who worked for IBM, so IBM just did a round of layoffs. You know, it, it's continuing to happen. This isn't going to go away tomorrow by any means. But I also think that. Um, again, compared to 2008, when we saw a similar sort of downturn and sort of a slow progression of people being laid off over time, this time we're at least seeing numbers and data much more quickly and 
um, and some, I think, conversation about what that impact might have on organizations in a way that we definitely didn't see it in 2008. So I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying, that, yes, it's a good time to be in HR and HR technology um, because it's, it's doing a lot of the hard lifting and much of the less than pleasant lifting inside of our, our market right now. But I also think that we are possibly getting more insight into, you know, what this impact will be and how they have to think about coming back from it than we did in previous years, which hopefully maybe will mean we'll have a little bit faster return to um, – you know, sort of people getting back to um, jobs and opportunities over time. But we'll see if that happens, right? Well, you know, you know I, I am in a, an area of the world that has been ravaged by wildfires over the last several years. And many of my we – live in, we live in this little um, development with – 28 other families and many of the other families are people who lost their home to the fire. Um, um, and so, so they've got, they've got some PTSD from the loss and they've got these weird things. They, they weren't prepared to lose the house. Um, and um, it's taken years to recover from the thing. Now they're they're in a house, they have a bed, they get up, they go to work, but the world that they live in is haunted by the world that used to be, which was very different and generally much nicer than the world that they're living in today. Um and and so so I think you have to be careful. I think we have to be careful about thinking that we're um headed to something that looks like it used to be. Right, we're not. We're on an adventure. We're on. A, we're on a really interesting adventure, and every single business model, whether whether it looks like it right now or not, every single business model broke in February, and um, we're going to have to come up with new business models because you can't do it the way that we used to do it, um, and that takes time and the making of lots of mistakes, um, yeah. and. And, and, and it's a breathtaking and refreshing and innovative time to be alive as long as you're not trying to go back to the place where your house burned down and recover the scrapbooks from the ashes. Um, <laughs> if you're doing that, it's just, it's, it's just awful, uh, and it's not really going to help very much because um, uh, we're all in a new place, and we haven't settled yet because it isn't over yet. Um, yeah. we'll start we'll, we'll start being able to rebuild when it's over and that looks that looks like way into the fall before we can even start to think about that and maybe well into next year um, yeah, yeah. And I, next year I think is probably more realistic based off of what we're hearing as numbers right now but we'll see oh yeah I think we don't, I think we won't even know I, I believe November 4th is the day that we're looking at um when we finally come to understand how bad it is, because until the until the as long as there's an election in front of us, then the government will continue to throw money at the problem. And and unless there is a complete sweep of both houses of, of Congress and the and the presidency, 
then then they're going to squabble and nothing will happen, and so we'll discover what's going on after the election. Right now, everybody has to contribute to the to keeping the economy up and floating. Um, but once the election comes, all of that motivation goes away, and the stimulus will dry up. Well, and and I think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out on a global front too, right? You know, I I, I mean that's where a lot of conversations are taking place right now. And, um, uh, just did a piece for the the um, World Artificial Intelligence Conference, um, and it was more of a, a global conversation, right? Um, and that was sort of interesting to see that the conversations that are happening globally are happening with the with the idea that it isn't going to go away there won't be a, a a per se new normal there's just we're living in a different world right and so you have to think differently and i think the innovation component that you talked about is definitely being spoken about at that level um particularly for those countries who have managed to figure out um, the appropriate uh, response, both in healthcare and in business support, that doesn't look like it will end because of an election or end because of a, you know, a, a governor saying one thing or another. Um, and some of those answers have been very authoritarian and and have restricted privacy and created lots of, of issues and um, human rights concerns, right? And some of those answers have been. Uh, very innovative, but the the global community think it's the conversation that will be interesting after we get through, you know, the conversation here in the United States. One of the things that I think would be worth having discussion about at some point is, does the U.S. technology market um, have the opportunity to work globally without the ability to travel globally like we used to? And I think this gets to our earlier conversation, you know, without the face-to-face connection with working in this hybrid environment, can we still work at the level or even work at the level is probably not the right word, but, but work, work in a way that we can, you know, sort of still sustain some level of productivity is a better way to put it. That's a great question. That's, that's a super, super question. And, I'm trying to think of non-cynical ways to come at it, uh, uh, because because it's it is so easy to get dark about this stuff. But but yeah. the question that you're asking is, can you maintain a global business when the people on the other side of the of the transaction won't let you fly to their country? Um, <laughs> wow. Something is something is buzzing. I, I I clearly got that question right. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> Let's not get too dark on this one, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah. Every company we we talk about is you know works at some global level, right? You know, at this point in time. Right, 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 and. And so, so I have I haven't spent much time thinking about that, but but it is the case that oh my. We're having we're having a buzzing attack. Um, um, I haven't spent much time thinking about how do you do remote oriented international work. Although I'm getting some taste of that in my own work, and it's it's super challenging because when you cross cultural boundaries, you have to get very explicit about 
what things mean. And mm-hmm. and in some ways, that's easier to do when you're not face-to-face. That's interesting. I was interested, interesting. So, maybe, could you have an example of that? Because uh, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that, but you have to get very explicit. Explicit about sort of what things are called or, or what tools we've used? Well, or? No, 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 no. The very, the very essence of, of cross-border work is that you have to be able to translate all of the requirements for a project or a document or a contract um, into something that very explicitly means what it's supposed to be, right? So, so if you want, if you want somebody in China um, to to execute a task, you have to be able to describe the task in explicit detail. Um, when you're within your own when you're within your own culture, you don't have to do that. And so, so anybody who does outsourcing is gets good at being explicit about what they want. Um, and and it's a much more contractual set of relationships. But it's easier to do that when. Um, the transaction is across time zones and um, um, not quite so personal and and this side of wanting to be very uh, conservative about how you test the boundaries um, and so 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 remote work promotes a disciplined description of the work and uh, we're not used to that, right? We're not used to having our work described in excruciating detail, um, but but that's what distributed work gets you, I think. Don't you? Well, exactly. I mean, it, it, it's very it's very specific. It's also, to some extent, I think, when you get specific, then um, regulations and requirements and stuff around it um, also get very sort of because you're dealing with multiple cultures and multiple or you know, regions, you have to be very specific about what it does and does not sort of cover in that space, right? So, yeah, documentation, very deep explanations. We might change how we think about, you know, the conversation and business where that handshake just says, okay, you're going to get this done. Now it's a much longer transaction to get things done. And, and to be honest, a lot of the stuff that I pulled this week, you know, it, it's very international in, in what, the conversation that you're just talking about, you know, states is, you know, there's three three um, big news items this week. Um, one is Dechevo and MHR. Um, so Dechevo is a, a learning LMS um, that's being embedded in a basically an existing MHR international group suite of HR technologies. The other story was um, Silverlake, which is sort of a, a, a a services-based company in the HR space uh, acquiring a cloud-based payroll and HR software um, specialist, Cilia. Again, the services and the HR technology combining with the idea that, you know, they're all international, very specific conversations are being had. Um, And the last one, which is Xerox is building a quick-to-deploy app for hybrid workforce. Very much their focus was on having an international workforce. Their exact first words were, this is a GDPR um, um, approved item, basically, the software, and it doesn't need to uh, tie into your existing HRS, HRMS, and HCM platform, but it basically supports organizations 
tracking information about their team availability in a way that they normally would not be able to do that, and the COVID-19 data sets that need to be connected. All three of those are about large organizations trying to figure out how to work globally um, and either doing that through partnerships or new processes or new tools. Um, and to your point, being very specific about the fact that these relationships are being built because of what's going on in the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what, what's, you know, the one thing that I, I do want to be sure that we get to with this is, is the Kronos and Ultimate software announcement. Do you have, do you have that handy? We do, yep, yeah. So the other conversation, not quite so much on the along the global um, uh, direction that we were talking about, but Ultimate Software and Kronos um, are basically have an, have the Equity at Work Council. It actually started by Ultimate before the merger and acquisition, um, and this was a piece led by Cecile Apper. Thoreau, who is a good friend of all of ours, um, um, who basically with a with Dr. Jarek Conrad started to do research in the area of multiple dimensions of, of um, diversity and inclusion at work um, and the equity at work index. So basically starting to put an index together for organizations who um, to give a sense of whether or not organizations were, were basically not just saying that they were doing well in areas of equity, um, but were actually being held accountable to it through behaviors and through metrics that, that were being tracked um, with an index, and starting to share that um, open source tools and resources to help organizations sort of manage to that index. So this has been something that's been in the works for a while with Ultimate, is now picked up with the Ultimate Kronos connection, and fits really well with a lot of what we talked about last week with Kronos's um, Workforce Institute conversation as well. So, so this is new, and I think they're just getting it out the door. We've, we've heard a little bit about it before, but this is now being launched. Um, so it's a good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just I, I just wanted to be sure to notice that because in all of this, that group continues to make their commitment to social justice um, and and gender and racial equity a top priority and and I think it's just amazing that that um, um, that level of leadership is something that you find in our industry it is an amazing thing to behold I think. Yeah. No, I would agree, especially with with the conversations we're having, right? I mean, I think it's it's really easy to 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 sort of get buried under how do we sustain work? What does the future look like? Um, in a way that um, a picture of what the the past looked like, right? I think I've said this many times, but a lot of the conversations that you see come out of Ultimate and and Kronos uh, with the Workforce Institute, as we talked about, is trying to rethink a future that. Um, it's not only more equitable and, and just, but is also a different picture. You know, no matter what happens with, with what's going on um, with the pandemic, the next step should be much more equal and much more um, uh, profoundly different than what it is today. And I think that's part of the conversation they're trying to have, right? Yeah. And, and I, I'm so happy to see that because all of the dynamics of the economic and healthcare reality push against that, right? The, the, the two forces are actually extremely conflicting, and, um, and we need more energy on the side of 
um, social justice and equity for for everybody, um, particularly uh, black lives. Um, and um, that that has to stand out in the midst of the chaos associated with the healthcare crisis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it, so, it's part of the conversation that gets lost easily when we when we start thinking about what tomorrow looks like. And I'm glad to see that we're we're seeing organizations who are, are having that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, me too, me too. Well, um, we we have a good time in this conversation. Um, I wonder I wonder if maybe we should order roses next week and. And be smelling the roses while 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 we're having the conversation. See if see if that improves the outlook. <laughs> we can try. It's, you know, the, the thing that I've been writing a lot about recently, and and I think you know, no matter how we look at it, John, is that that change and pain and chaos um, does bring something new forward, right? And um, you know. It, depending on where you're at in the middle of the process for your own life, right, um, you you have to understand both the losses and the gains, and hopefully, you know, we, we right. can do a bit of that for everyone, right? So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for doing this, Stacey, as usual. A great conversation, and um, we will be back again next week for show number 275. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Have a great weekend. Thanks, everyone. Bye.